All right, well, I like to award the people who are here here on time. So let's go ahead and get started. Is that okay with everybody in here? All right, awesome. Um, I don't know. I know that I'm probably speaking to a few church leaders or people who are invested in their church, but uh, if you're like me, you know, whenever it's about time to start and you're looking around where everybody is and whoever's supposed to start the service, like, should we, should we start? <laughs> <laughs> No, but no. Start right now. So we're, I actually have an on-time church, even though our church doesn't always show up on time. Am I right, Ruth? Right? So there's one of my church members, one of my amazing church members who gets to listen to me preach and will get up at 7 a.m. over here to come. 620. 620. <laughs> Praise God. God is good. And he'll come, she'll come and listen to me. So thanks so much for uh, being here today. Um, so... Who in here is a minister or a elder or a, a church leader in some way? Maybe you're a deacon or ministry leader. Or, okay, well, that's what that's what I suspected. Uh, so this class and what I'm going to discuss is it necessarily if you're coming here to get like the next tip or tool to enhance your Sunday morning service? That's not what I'm going to be talking about today. So that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. Roll Tide. Uh, <laughs> We're, hey, I'm going to talk about expectations, so I'm just seeing what the, maybe the expectations are for this class. Okay. Um, we're just we're going to talk about some heart work really today, um, and uh, the the idea came from this from like meeting with some some preachers and other in other environments and different places and talking to ministerial staff and, and people, and, and uh, there is uh, a lot of anxiety surrounding Sunday. Like, there is almost sometimes a feeling of it's coming, and instead of uh, increasing enjoyment or excitement, it's like kind of a, a downward feeling of dread. It's it's going to be here and there's going to be people and you know so and that's tough I would imagine that's tough it I, I once read a book called Loving Monday and uh, and it was a book about how to bring dignity to your work because in a meritocracy and in a society where we judge people on how we add to the gross domestic product and you know some people would will look at some work as being demeaning and elevate other work right and uh, you probably have done this with your kids right when your kids like I don't think I want to go to college or I think I want to do this instead and you're like well what are you going to end up doing and you name the work that's demeaning to you yeah. does that make sense Whatever that is, I'm not going to name it or it, but whatever that is, you name it. But the book was great because um, it just helped to bring dignity to work. If you want to read more on that, Tim Keller does fantastic work about um, helping people to understand that they can be faithful to Christ Monday through Friday in the work that they do. Um, another story about that, I remember... I read this book when I was like a student pastor and I was trying to teach some of the principles to a young men's Bible study. We were in a home and there was a dad there 
and I was talking about the idea of bringing dignity to all work and because how terrible is it that you're completely miserable in the place where you spend most of your time and this dad worked at a power plant a nuclear power plant in Alabama and he was like no my job's horrible the only reason I work is so that I can pay off my house quick I can send my kids to school and I cannot wait until I'm done doing that horrible job and I was like oh my god and he was like please stop talking um, no but that was really his experience his experience modeled and I, it just affirmed why it was good to study that and it, it was something that hit me and I wanted to bring it to the attention of these kids and help them these young men to be thinking about and reframe you know what's next for me what's success look like for me and this dad was like, he was like a, he was like a, you know, the guy in Homer Simpson, you know, in The Simpsons, you know, he's just like, I just, man, I'm just ready to get out of here, like, and I think we find ourselves in that often. We can find ourselves in that place often. We can always be like hoping that things would be in a better place, and that's where we spend the, our entire existence. It's like in, in this place where we feel like it's not going to get any better or whatever. I just, so it comes from a place of hearing people talk about, church leaders talk about the anxiety they experience each Sunday. And I was really grieved by that um, because that's not my experience. Not always my experience. I'm not going to say that I always love Sunday, uh, but for the most part, I, I'm looking forward to, to being there. And so I wanted to try and understand maybe, maybe what that is. Before I get a little bit uh, further on, um, She's not a member of my family, but this is my family. And so uh, this is just a little bit about me. Um, Anna and I have been married close to 18 years, coming up this year. And then I have Ariana, who's 14, Olivia, 12, and Liliana, who's 10, and Lily's back there. <laughs> and I've uh, been, uh, well, we married in Alabama, Dothan, Alabama. Uh, Anna was in Starkville, Mississippi, Mississippi State. So. Um, and then we had all our kids in Alabama, and then uh, eight years ago we moved to Littleton Church of Christ in South Denver. So I've been ministering in Centennial, Colorado, Littleton Church in Centennial, Colorado. You know, when you name yourself after a location and it changes <laughs> um, for, for the past eight years. So just a little bit about my family, my beautiful family. I wanted to show them off to you. This is our Easter pick, our customary Easter pick right outside the church. So our church has these amazing views of the mountains and, and it's going to be unobstructed because uh, behind us is a cemetery so uh, i don't think they'll be building anything on top of that so it's so awesome uh, that we get those views uh but you know i gotta tell you guys if the church leaders in here you build a building you got those built those amazing views spend money on putting windows in your sanctuary right. our sanctuaries are like windowless you know it's like they got views and I, i've heard different stories like uh they did that because um they want people to be distracted you know, but it's just about money. It was about money. Yeah. Putting windows is more expensive. Um, but anyways, just a beautiful place to minister to. Um, so uh, we're going to get into Acts 2 in a minute. But I, I think one of the things that I want to um, share with you, just trying to develop the problem with you here, is um, one of the things that's really difficult why Sundays is such a, a dreadful day and why it fills many of us with anxiety is because I think there's a really strong desire amongst church leaders and ministers to put everything in that one hour 
two hours, three hours, that one day. Everything goes to that day. And you're in your leadership team meetings and you're discussing a new initiative or something that you want to help, how you want to shape disciples in your church. And everything gets pushed to main stage. Everything gets pushed to programming. And so Sundays are rather ridiculous because the service is meant to build up the saints. It's meant to capture the hearts of the lost. So there's supposed to be baptisms and there's supposed to be people renewing their lives. And then, and then on Sundays, there's um, all the ways in which you share information in your church. You know, this is what's happening in our church. Sign up for this. So then Sundays are intended to like gain new volunteers. Right. And then Sundays are there to dedicate babies and honor high school graduates. Sundays are for fundraising. Let's raise money for missions. Let's raise money for our local missions. Let's raise money for our foreign missions. Let's, I mean, special collections. You're, you're leading with mission, mission and vision. I mean, your special video. I mean, there's so much you're trying to package into that one space. And the expectations are unrealistic to have all of those things done well and to meet everyone's desires for that hour. It's just, it doesn't work well, right? It doesn't work well. Sunday's overloaded with expectations with, I would say, a decreasing expectation of the work of God among the people. All the expectations are around programs and success and that the major expectation is how is the Holy Spirit going to work today? All right. All right, so I'm taking a passage where we look at uh, Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 42 through 47. And um, I'm taking the things that I'm highlighting in this passage, and we're just going to talk about what we can do to, to have a, a love for, for Sunday. Um, it's a familiar passage. We all maybe know it. It's Acts chapter 2. Um, this is how Luke describes the church. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Pretty familiar passage, right? It's a wonderful passage, a great description of what the early church was doing. And so I want to take some principles from what we just read to help us to prepare our hearts for, for Loving Sunday. Um, I, I re- say recently, maybe a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to listen to a presentation given by Aaron Nyquist. And Aaron Nyquist uh, was a worship leader um, for Bill Hybels Church in Chicago. Um, and he wanted to do a different type of service. 
And so they allowed them to, and they developed a service called the practice. And one of the main things in the service was that they were, they were wanting people to put into practice the things that they were exploring together as a community of believers. Practice was important to them. And so I borrow this from his, um, from his presentation. Uh, that Sunday is not the main event. Your life is the main event. Sunday is not the main event. Your life is the main event. So I want to make sure that when I'm talking about Sunday, I don't want to give it so much weight that I'm actually doing the opposite of what I'm teaching. But that what God is most interested in is, is your heart, your life. And he wants you to bring that to the gathering. Right? But you are the main event. Sunday is not the main event. You are. So when we're thinking of ourselves as being the main event, then it's most important the work that we do in preparation for Sunday. Not what happens on the day, but the work that we do in preparation for. When I see that they said that they were devoted, uh, for me that, that makes me think that there was a, a commitment and a loyalty to the gathering. There was a ready preparation for it, um, for the gathering. And so I, I think when we're thinking about Sunday, one of the things that brings us anxiety is, I think, a lack of preparation for meeting with the people of God, uh, a lack of preparing our hearts. Uh, for Sunday to be lovable for you or for you to love Sunday, you have to choose preparation over compulsion. You have to choose that the work of being with God's people really starts on Monday. That preparation is something that allows you to increase your affections for God's people and for God. I remember as a young man, I, I didn't grow up in, I'm not like John the Storm, I'm not a Buick, you know. Um, <coughs> or pick something, I mean, I don't know, pick something more classy, I don't know. But, um, but I, I grew up in, in a Catholic church, um, so I didn't grow up in like in the Church of Christ. I guess you could say I'm a Buick because I grew up in a Catholic church. Um, but my experience with the Church of Christ came when I was in college, and I'd never been to a Protestant church before, and I, I was I was in a lost place. I had not been going to the church that my mother raised me in. I just stopped when I got to college, and I started going to this Protestant church, the Church of Christ in Mobile, Alabama, and everything was so foreign to me. Like, I've never been to a Protestant church. Like, sometimes y'all think your church is, like, formal, what you do. I was like, what is happening? Why is the preacher dressed like that? What are the people doing? Like, like this is communion. Like, this is not communion. This is not communion. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what you're doing. Like, and um, I was completely lost. I felt so other, you know, in the experience. But the people were kind to me. They, they had a campus ministry that rivaled the size of the church building. I mean, they, they poured a lot of resources and time and people and energy into the students at the University of South Alabama, and it meant a lot. And so uh, before I went back, I went to, I've told this story many times, but before I went, I went to Books A Million, I bought a $6 gift Bible I put to Jovan from Jovan. <laughs> and it was like, gift to me. And because uh, everybody in that church like was open, like they're fanning their Bibles. Like every time the, the Marshall Underwood, who was the preacher there, I mean, it was like one of those Bible flipping churches, you know? 
like where you measure the, 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 the greatness of the sermon by how many scripture references there were, you know? And, and so I, I just remember being completely lost. And I got one, and I, I tabbed it, and, um, and I started to read it. I started to read it, because I didn't understand anything that Marshall was saying. I started to read it. Uh, and I went to the Thursday uh, Young Man's Bible study, and I started to read it. And I, I just, like, it was like a season, it's hard for me to recapture. Does that make sense? Like, like you know, like you're like, man, you remember when you like, really loved the Lord? You know? <laughs> like, I want to go to bed reading God's Word. Like, it reminded me of, uh, in First Peter 2, where, like, newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good, like that's what it that's what it was for me. Like I just wanted to be immersed. And then when I started to meet with the people of God, it I saw it in new eyes. It re, was reframed for me. I started to catch what He was saying. I, I was reading God's Word during the week. I, uh, someone taught me uh, some things I ought to pray for. I think one of the first things they taught me was Acts. You know, uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Right. So I started to learn how to have some format to my prayer life. So I had a prayer life, and as a young, as a young man, I, had a, I started this fledgling prayer life and reading God's Word. And so then when I, I didn't understand it, but now looking back, it, when I came, I was bringing into that space my prayer life and my devotion to God's Word. I was bringing in that space what I knew that they taught me how to love God during the week. Like I was, I was bringing that into the space. And I think sometimes we enter into Sunday so empty and so thirsty. Like as, as leaders, we enter into that and we have such high expectations for it. We haven't done the work during the week. And we get there and no wonder it lets us down every time. No wonder there's, we, we, we have to have some sort of inner life so that we will have something from the wellspring when we meet with the people of God. So you want to you practice preparation over compulsion. It's the same principles they talk about in giving. You know, don't be compulsory with your giving. You know, lay, lay by in store. Like, set it aside and prepare for it. Make, be ready for it. Um, and then, um, in the idea of what the disciples, the early followers, were doing together, it says they were devoted, and they, they listed some things that they were doing. Um, they, they said they were devoted, they, um, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. Um, it's that idea of practice and ideas. Or practice and ideas. Um, I think we can find ourselves living in a world of ideas and opinions. But I, I believe that the early followers of Jesus lived in a world of, of, of practice. They... I, one of the things that um, I share with my church in, in our visioning and trying to revision how we experience one another is for many people, God is true. God's true. Right? I've read about him. The Bible class maybe have some theological training. But God's, God's true. But I want people to experience God as real. God needs to be real. So he's not, he's not 
an idea that we say yes to. He's not a statement that we agree with. Jesus is not any of those things. Jesus is not a theology. Jesus is a person to be followed. And so when we follow him, we take what he says and we put it into practice. We, we try it out. We taste to see if the Lord is good. We, we put it into practice. So this is what the early followers were doing. They were, they were putting into practice a, the, the practice that Aaron Nyquist led. They have this statement. They say, we are a community that doesn't just want to believe things about Jesus. So we are learning to rearrange our lives in order to put his words into practice for the sake of the world. So this is what the early followers are doing. They're just putting into practice. They're, they're breaking bread. They're praying. They're modeling their lives after the apostles' teaching. And broke bread means there's community. I mean, you, when you're breaking bread, it's not just like one half for me, one half for me. It's one half for me, one half for you. It's like they're, they're having this time of communal fellowship and eating together. And I, I put down, they ate together. That means everything's better with food, right? <laughs> everything's better with food. I, my, my favorite Sundays are the ones that have food. Um, so at my, at my congregation, we've made a commitment this year. Part of our, 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 our revisioning is building strong relationships. And we know that we have to spend time with each other to do that. We, we feel like building strong relationships is a linchpin discipline for helping people to be formed into the image of Christ. Like people want to be known. They want to have friends. They want to have relationships, and, and discipleship happens in relationships. So, build, so we've increased the amount of fellowship meals that we're doing this year. Uh, so like we're having one this weekend, we get all of our small groups together. And we, we mainly do it word of mouth. So we do these small, we get all the small groups together and have a meal after church. And we, we, we've been, it's by design, we haven't been announcing it from the stage. It's word of mouth. So it's, for the, so it's on the small groups to invite someone to come to that gathering. So it's not, it's, we're trying to intentionally not make it a program. Does that make sense? Like, like, like sign up for it, we can over here see Debbie and, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and an appeal, you know, everything. Have you ever noticed every church announcement carries the same weight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mean I'm, just, I'm ranting now, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like uh, so-and-so lost their family, we really need people to reach out to them. Uh, there's a toilet broken, and we just really need some, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Like we just guys, you got we got weigh stuff. Like you got not everything's exciting, honestly. Not everything is as exciting as your church announcement person makes it. Can we just own up to that? Like the level of excitement you give for something. No wonder people are disappointed. Level of excitement you give for something like, oh my gosh, you need this is the last, the best thing ever. It's not. It's not the best thing ever. It is. It is not. Um, But. Food's great. So eating together, and that's important. I think eating together is important. I think it's the church recognizes that we need to take care of bodies. We need to take, eating is like, we need to take care of bodies. And communion also identifies with that too, right? Like, like Jesus had a body. Jesus shed his blood. Like this isn't an idea. This is some concept or principle. Like we're doing things together. Like this is important. So add food. Like everything's better with food. Take care of bodies. Take care of one another. And then they had an expectation of praise. They practiced praising to God. They lifted up God in their, their praises. So they chose practice over ideas. And for us to love Sundays, choose practice over ideas. And then one thing that they, we saw there too is they were filled with awe. Did you notice that? They were filled with awe. 
And I believe that's, they had an expectation that God will do his amazing work. So what happens is we have expectation and cynicism. Expectation and cynicism. For the early church, they had an expectation that, that God would do his work. So they weren't like, yeah, I've tried that before, and it didn't work. You know? They were like, God's not going to show up. Nothing's going to happen. Why even bother? What does it matter? Right? That's, that's, those are the words of cynicism. Like God's not going to do anything. Why even bother? Nothing's going to happen. Why even try? Why, why, even, why even should I attempt to bring my prayer life, my devotions to this space? Why? And, and I don't want to realize that. That's really real. Like, that's really painful, right? To be in that space. Because you've been let down so often. You had some idea or some concept. And it, didn't, it didn't happen. Or your anxiety, your church hurt and trauma is like blocking you from having an expectation that, that God would do his good work. The preaching of the word will do his good work. The fellowship will do his work. Gathering of the saints will. God will do his good work. And so we want to rid ourselves of cynicism. We want to have an expectation of a recapturing of this idea that God is working and he is doing his good work. God is working and he is doing his good work. Uh, one of the practices that we do in my, my churches and our leadership team meetings, we start every meeting with, we call them good God stories. So before we start fixing all the broken things, we share stories about where we've been seeing God working. Because what we want to be is we want to be noticers. We want to be noticers about where God's doing good work. And we want to partner with God where he's doing the good work. And a lot of God's good work has nothing to do with me. I didn't initiate it. I didn't start it. It wasn't my idea. It's not my passion. It's not my giftedness. But we're, we're in our staff meeting telling stories about what the people of God are doing in our church. That's what we're doing. In our elders meeting, what, what are the people, where are we seeing God working? Because we want to see God working throughout the week. We come with stories. And even, so I don't lead my staff meetings. I have our student minister who's more gifted organizationally and can run meetings better than I can. Because uh, uh, when I'm doing my one-on-ones with staff and I ask them, what's the, what's, yeah, hey, how can I, what, what can I do better? Uh, the meetings are long. You chase rabbits. <laughs> Fine. I'll just get somebody else to do it. Show you. Um, <laughs> Spite's a good motivator. No, I'm, just, I'm kidding. Um, but but at, at a couple of meetings, like especially after Easter weekend, and we were trying to do something else, <laughs> and Josh was like, Hey, can we limit the good God stories just to one per person? <laughs> and so I was being some kind of way, and I was like, okay, I got it. And so I just strung a lot of them together in one narrative. <laughs> and it was like, you know, the stat, it, went, it went super long. Because it was just a lot of stories to tell. It was Easter weekend, you know, it was a lot of stories to tell. And so we were just sharing stories and sharing stories and, and, uh, and, and building up uh, our, our children's minister and, 
you know, for the amazing weekend we had with the egg hunt and the people we got to meet and, and then the people that came to church from the egg, you know, like we were just sharing stories, like share stories. And, and um, in, my, in, our, in my staff meetings, I do something called a two-minute drill. And um, I'm looking at my time. I do something called a two-minute drill. And the two-minute drill is just like, hey, what are we going to emphasize this week as a group of people? You know, like, and so um, a couple weeks ago, I said in our two-minute drill, like, let's, let's, I'm learning because I'm learning to tell better stories. So that's something I'm working on, too. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to grow in my development to tell better stories and tell stories better. Okay, I think the church, we have a, a difficulty doing that. Number one, we don't know our history well, and our history is so full of disappointment. And, you know, like, like here's, here's, how, here's, how, here's how a person might uh, just invite someone to my church. Oh, I'll come to Littleton. Uh, we used to be bigger. You know? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll come to Littleton. Uh, oh, let me see. Who's singing this weekend? Oh, oh my gosh, let me see. Is Brother So-and-So singing this weekend? Oh, Brother So-and-So's not singing this weekend. Well, listen, come. Brother So-and-So's not singing this weekend, but he's awesome. He's awesome. Like, I, I still want you to come, but the next week, come. Because Brother So-and-So's singing next week, you know? Right? Y'all know, I've even had people text me. Hey, are you preaching today? You know, what does it matter? It doesn't matter. Like, just, if you got a friend, bring him, you know? So we have, we're like, got all these things that we're thinking about. We tell these Terrible stories about ourselves, really. Like, who, how is that compelling? You know? Instead, if you want to tell somebody about how you used to be bigger, why don't you also tell them about how you're growing in whatever, in your faith, what you're doing as a church, or tell them a story about what you saw sister so and so or brother so and so doing this good work. I mean, tell better stories and tell stories better. <coughs> and so, for, for me, um, uh, like this year, uh, Hired a preaching coach and working through him with him to like help me to tell better stories. Like I have a hard time accessing stories, and uh, I just like to do a lot of uh, exposition in my preaching <laughs> and principles and stuff. Uh, and and I was like, help me. And then I went to a preaching conference, and then I hope to do some more work. I was like, I want it. So I was telling staff, here's some things that I'm doing to help tell better stories and tell them better. And so I think everyone can do that. So. We try and take those good stories and implement them in our groups and, and share them more often. So these are things that, that we can do. And I think that helps to then, when you're noticing and seeing God working, there is an expectation that God will work. If you see God work, there's, that's what they saw. They, they seen him work. And there's an expectation to see God work. You have to tell those stories. And you have to tell them complete. Um, and then with them, you see them uh, sharing their they're giving to one another. And um, here's something to help us love Sundays. Is we need to believe that giving is greater than consuming. Giving is greater than consuming. Giving is greater than consuming. You'll always be disappointed if, you, if you're just a consumer. You'll always be let down. It'll always be superficial. It will never be satisfactory. Church will never be satisfactory if all you're doing is consuming. It's not that great. If you're just consuming, it really isn't. There's probably better things to do if you're just a consumer. There's better things to do with your time on Sunday. There's better things to do if you just want, 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 and take, take, take. No wonder, right? You can be disappointed sometimes. But when you're in a healthy place, you view it as some place where you can give. You come with gifts. 
You come with gifts. You come with your time, you come with your talents, you come with your treasure. You come with gifts. You come willing to share. I was, I was talking with a staff member and one of our goals was, I want to be on the welcome team. I want to greet people when they come in. This is, I, I'm actually good at it, but I have anxiety about it, but I want to put myself in that space for the next four months, I'm gonna be on the welcome team. Because I, I want to give people hugs. I want to give people a smile. I want to welcome people. I want to give people my hospitality, right? That is something you can give, right? That's just an example of what you can give. Don't hone in on that example. I'm, you're going to go back and say, I want to join the welcome team. Um, but where is you come with your gifts? You come with something to give. I think that's far more rewarding and endearing and increases your infections. You can grow in that. You can learn to be a good giver. And then I love this community that is described here because not only were people giving, but there were also people who were receiving. They were receiving. So, all right, this is tough. I might spend too much time on this one. But um, for us to love Sundays, we, we have to be committed to um, receiving over evaluating. Receiving over evaluating. Okay, here's what I mean by that. Um, they had mutuality there, that people had needs, they expressed those needs, people had resources, they shared those resources. The people who had needs and expressed their needs received the shared resources from the people who had plenty. They received. So people came with gifts, people came with needs. The people with gifts helped out the people with needs. And the people with needs welcomed the gifts. There's mutuality there in that there's a reception. Does that make sense? Like, they came together so that they could express the love that they found in Christ for one another. Like, I'm going to help you. You're going to help me. And I don't want us to think hierarchical. Because the people who were able to receive the needs are a blessing to the people who were able to give the resources. There's a lot of work that Paul goes into, and Peter as well, and James, to model, like, hey, there's no, everybody, look, this is a, a community where we're helping people out, but everybody gets to sit at the same table. Stop putting them in the back. Stop. Stop eating all the food, you know? Stop turning this into some sort of hierarchical system. Like, people are here. I call that mutuality. They're, they're sharing with one another. Um, and so, uh, there was a receiving. Now, um, I want us to, to enter into our Sunday spaces with a posture of receiving. Because you need to be able to receive the gifts that others bring to the fellowship. You can't always be the giver. You have to enter into a place being the receiver. Now what that means too is you have to receive people. Um, all right. 
receive people instead of saying, I like this person or I don't like this person. Receive the person instead of saying, why'd they dress that way today? Uh, receive the person instead of saying, oh gosh, what are they going to want to talk to me today about? Receive the service. Don't turn around and eyeball the slide guy when he's a little late on the slide. Receive the error. Receive it. Don't say, uh, well, he got five stars today. Oh, he got one star today. Enter in the space, receiving, in a receiving posture. I'm going to receive people as they come. I'm going to receive the day as it comes. I, I'm not going to evaluate the day. Somebody asks me how church is. Don't automatically say I liked it or didn't like it. That's not what it's about. How do you experience it? All right, so, so in my one-on-ones with uh, our new worship minister, I've learned to ask better questions because he's learning our culture and we're trying to <clears throat> enculturate, you know, our service based off his skill set and, and what, what he does well. And um, so I've learned to ask this question. Uh, and I asked it this week. Um, and I said, how did you experience this Sunday? How did you experience this? Not, 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 um, not a critique, but how did you experience it? And so he left out and came back and he said, I like that question. And I said, thanks, because it was intentional. I'm working on how I ask you about Sundays, right? So instead of this worked well, and here's maybe some things we don't need to do anymore, right? You know what I mean? Like instead, like let's begin with how did you experience Christ this Sunday? How did you experience Christ in the community of God this Sunday? How did you experience it? What did you receive, right? Instead of how did it go, you know? So what we do is we enter into Sundays evaluating everything. And so a lot of our people, so what do we do like when we want to do something new in our, in our, in our Sunday space or with our church? Maybe your church is like this too. Like the first thing, let's survey the people. You, you know, come on, you know. Oh, but you know. You know. I just you get know. all the surveys. Huh? I just get all the surveys. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's do, we're going to do the, Hey, let's survey the people. Let's survey, like, we always want to like survey the people. Let's survey the people and you know, do they like it or they don't like it? Or what do they like and what do they not like? You know, and it's like, that's, it's not, it's not about, so what we're trying to do, like the, the talks that I have with staff and, and elders and the worship ministers is trying to lead our people out of an evaluative mindset for when we gather. You know. Mm, consumer mindset. Uh, you know, five stars, three stars, not going to come back, would not recommend. Yep. Mm. But that, that have, we have to do the work with our own people. And what, I have to do the work with my own heart, too. So the way COVID killed attendance for me. Like, it just killed it. It killed the idol of attendance. It almost killed, I mean, almost killed me. I mean, yeah, you know, it's like, ugh, I get chills thinking about latching on my success to how many people are in the service. I mean... It was it was a grieving. It was a whole thing. It was a whole thing, and it's like I got, I got to get in a better mindset. I've got to get in a better heart set. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it, you could you could feel that with all your people. 
And so it's this idea of like receiving it and moving out of that consumer. That's it. It's not. So we have to help our people shift from, um, from just evaluating everything that we do, but instead receiving it, receiving it. Um, all right. Uh, let's see, do I want to read that quote? Yeah, our reluctance to, to freely receive affects our relationships with others and limits our openness to God's grace. We have to get better at receiving. Then, this is a most important spiritual practice, the practice of receiving. And then, uh, again, uh, the people were giving and receiving and giving and receiving, and um, they had this idea that abundance is better than scarcity. An abundance mindset is better than scarcity mindset. Like God will continue to give. Like I believe this is the mindset that uh, a believer holds on to with strength because of the resurrection that God has given us. This resurrection life over death and scarcity. There's more. There's more. There's more. God has more. God has more. It's not a. It's not a zero sum game. You know. That, um, that if I give, that I'm not going to receive, or that I, if I receive, someone else doesn't get it. It's that there's more, there's, there's plenty for everyone. Um, there's grace for everyone, there's resurrection life for everyone. So when they were together, they, they enjoyed being together. There's, there's, there's more food, there's more resources, there's more, God has more, we've seen him do his good work, there is more. So when you get together, you have to believe that there's always more. There's, there's always more. Um, the people will, God will provide and people will give all the time. Like there's more, there's more, there's more abundance, abundance, abundance. And there's more good Sundays. There's more people who are going to give their lives to Christ. There's more people who are going to enter in a relationship. There's more, there's more. Um, God continually just keeps giving us more. He wants us to live out of that more, right? Um, I don't necessarily think that we need to get more from God. Uh, I think that we just have to have God growing more in our hearts. Like there's more. Like he's already like, I've set the table before you, like everything that my son has is yours, and you're adopted into my sonship and daughtership, like your royalty, like I share everything with you, you get everything. You get the resurrection, you get the ascension, you get a new body, you get everything Jesus got. Like, there's more, right? I mean, you're not going to get his deity. There are some things God withholds from you, but there's more. There's more. There's more. And, and I believe that's, that's good, because there's only, there's only like 52 Sundays in the year, so if you have a scare scarcity mindset like that. It's, it's, it can be a terrible experience, but there's always, there's always more of God. Alright, and I think this one's really important. Love people, not programs. Love people, not programs. Choose people over programs. Choose people over programs. Um, Sundays are for gathering people, not staffing programs. Sundays are for gathering people, not staffing programs. Alright? Because what happens in our organization, in our religious organization, uh, then it's no longer about um, helping people to experience the resurrected life in God. It's about making sure all the seats are filled, making sure that all the children's ministry is filled. Make, like, like we just want people so that we can have volunteers. Like that's not, that's not what we're about. Like that's not who we are. But when we're thinking organizationally, that's what we think. We think of programs, programs, programs. How do we fund programs? How do we prop up programs, how do we keep the programs running. I was talking with a friend of mine last night about uh, ministry fairs. I remember being in a 
church and we had ministry fairs and like all the dead ministries would come out once a year. <laughs> they would just resurrect. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the leader hadn't done nothing the whole year. He got a table and he's trying to get volunteers. And you know, we used to have those deacons meetings and everybody, all the deacons would, because they want to get home and watch football, you know. That, Nothing to report, 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 nothing to report. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, but, but we think that the, all those people are there, we want to put them in places so that we can start new programs, new initiatives, get programs, <coughs> put people in programs. But it's, it's that. It's people over those. And then uh, borrowed from other places in there, uh, one of the things that, for me, you know what keeps me up at You know what makes me have anxiety for Sunday? The real things that makes me have anxiety for Sunday is... When I'm cross with somebody in my church, like I'll wake up in the middle of the night. So why did I say it that way? I could have said that better. Why, why are they so upset at me? I need, I need, to, I need to try and call them. You know, I think of the verses say, "Settle matters quickly." Um, as long as it's up to you, live at peace with all people. Think about them too. Um, if you're offering a gift at the altar, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Right? First go and be reconciled to them. So when we're talking about people, we also need to realize that loving people is difficult, and sometimes we get cross, or, or we disagree with opinions, or, or dare I say, uh, the, the worst are when I fail someone's expectations and I feel bad about it. You know, I didn't, I didn't meet them, I didn't study with them, I didn't go to the hospital, I didn't, you know, whatever, a series of things, right? But if we're going to put people over programs, then, then that's where we put our energy and efforts in, is we want to be reconciling others. In, in my church, we have two one of our two values is invitation and reconciliation. Like we want people to be, um, their relationships to be mended amongst each other and with God. So we, we want to invite people into this resurrected life, and we want people to be reconciled, brought back together with God and with others. So that's really important. Maybe. Sometimes when you dread your Sunday is because you have something unmended that needs to be mended. And even if it doesn't get mended, you at least gave your effort in your faithfulness to Christ to attempt to do that. And I would say maybe it needs a second attempt. Maybe it needs a third attempt, right? Uh, don't, don't, don't give up on the people. Don't give up on We won't give up on programs. Oh, my gosh, we'll try and pop that program up. Like, you know, we'll keep that program going. Like, you know. We'll petition for the budget to have that program. Like, well, we want to do this thing. But, but, but really, that same effort, don't give up on people. Um, and know this, uh, man was not made for Sabbath or Sundays, but Sabbath and Sundays are made for man. Like, like God made this gathering for the people. Um, and then this one, but one of the ones we'll close on. Um, no. You're not a religious expert. Yes, you are a follower of Jesus. I mean, that's just, that's going to take some weight off of you. You don't have the answers for everything. You're not an expert in faith. You're, just, you're a follower of Jesus. You're a child of God. We're, child, we're children of God together. One of the good things about Church of Christ, and it's also bad sometimes, is our low church kind of thing. You know, like a, like a really flat kind of leadership model for most of our churches. And that's good. I think we should lean into that. People are like, what do I call you? Call me Jovan. 
And, and, and in shepherds meetings, sometimes they'll be like, well, Javon, you're, you're the expert on that. I'm like, I'm not the expert. I don't want to be seen as the expert. Some people maybe do, and maybe in some uh, you know, religious circles, it's, it really benefits you to be seen as the expert. But I don't want to be seen as the expert on small groups or the expert on preaching. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, that's not who I am. I want to be a follower of Jesus. So yes to that. So help you, help yourself to alleviate some of those expectations for yourself. And then what we see here is joy. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. So uh, at, at my church, this was phenomenal. I came here on campus and they had Romans 15, 13, which is our uh, theme for this year. Uh, I keep pointing about church members over on the side over here um, that are with me. Y'all wave, my faithful, faithful, devoted uh, members of Littleton Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so our theme this year is all joy. Uh, is all joy because I was like, I want more joy in my life. I want to experience more joy, and I want to, I want our church to experience more joy. Um, and so that's what they did. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. They were just, um, it was a joy to be together. All joy, and it, it, it comes from, uh, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, all joy, and so that's. I think they were able to do that with some of these uh, principles, I think, that we can pull from this passage. Okay, that's what, that's what I got. I, I didn't give much time for questions, or I don't have any time for questions. If you want to talk with me afterwards, we can talk, but that's all I got. So thanks for coming up.